Hello, amazing parents and caretakers, and welcome to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. I'm your family empowerment coach, Celia Kibler. I'm a mom of a blended family of five kids. I'm a grandma of nine kids, an author, a teacher, a speaker, and a consultant with over 40 years of training and real-life parenting experience. I'm here to offer you practical, doable tips, strategies, and techniques that will pump up your parenting skills and create peace, love, and laughter throughout your family. In addition, I'll be interviewing some great humans that are on a mission to make your life a better, happier, and healthier life. So let's not waste any time and get started with the next episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. I'm Celia, your host, and I am joined by Asher Wright. And super happy to have Asher here with us today. He is a life-changing wisdom coach filled with lots of wisdom that we're going to hear today. And he is the founder of lifechangingwisdom.com. Welcome to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast, Asher. Celia, thank you for having me. And to the listeners, I'm here to give what I can give, serve you however I can serve you today. Thank you. And we're happy you are here. And we're looking forward to all kinds of great wisdom from you and learn so much. So let's start out with you telling us, if you would, how this whole journey began, where, you know, where did all this start and what brought you to where you are today? Okay. So let's get this all the way real fast. Wisdom is my highest value. So everything I look, look in life, I look for wisdom in it. And wisdom means application. So how do I apply the things I know? I go for, I'll go for that directly. So that's what I do. But short story, I I'm 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 hailing from right now. I'm in Col- I'm in Hartford, Connecticut. But before before that, I was living in Colorado, Colorado Springs. I think what we talked at the time. That's where I was at. I just moved here with my parents just now. But I grew up in Jamaica, the island of Jamaica. That's where I grew up at. When I was 18, I left the island, came to the United States, joined the United States Army. Um, I, I think I signed up for the United States Army four months after I got to the United States. Eight months later, I was in training. So I did 22 years in the United States military. Retired in 2022. Took a year sabbatical. And decided that I didn't want to get another government job. I wanted to kind of work for myself. So I started my online life coaching business because coaching stuff is what I was doing already in the military. I was doing a lot of that stuff already. So I started that business for myself, started, decided I'm going to pursue a lot of authorship. I'm going to pursue writing. I love writing. I love what writing does for my brain. So I, I pursue writing. So that's my little, little nutshell of my story. Let's start since you mentioned your writing. Mm-hmm. I know you have book you want to talk about or books do you have more than one book i feel like you have more than one book yeah i have two books out right i'm working on my third that's what i thought Mm -hmm. and so tell everybody about your books real quick and then we're going to dive into all this wonderful wisdom that you have thank you very much thank you so if anyone is listening i'm working on personal development books that's my series book my book my series book name is demi divine so underneath demi divine i have what i call my four pillars which is also part of my coaching program four pillars is mental intercourse spiritual intercourse spiritual intercourse physical intercourse and social intercourse somebody might hear the word intercourse and probably think something else but really it means this really connection communication have that deeper experience of your, your reality how to communicate that experience of your reality with other people or to engage other people so forth and so on 
So I kind of use, I'm a person, I really love words. You know, some people love math, but I love, I love English, even though I wasn't good at it. I'm going to share that with you later on, but I love words. I think we live in a, in a world of words, which mean that whatever we do, we kind of really communicate with words. And it, the more words you have, the more, the more better you are at communicating. And the more you communicate, the better people understand you. So I kind of work on that for myself because that was a really big challenge for me growing up. Since you brought up words, and I agree, you know, words are so important. As a parent, you mm. want to always be conscious of the words that you use, how you use them. Communication being 80% nonverbal, mm. not even the words you say, how you say them. And the things you are saying to your child, to yourself, labeling them, judging them, criticizing them. What is the expectation you have for them, giving them negative expectations to live up to? And when you were a child, you actually found out that you had a certain challenge, mm. let's call mm -hmm. it, and that was dyslexia. Mm -hmm. How did you handle that and what happened with your dyslexia and your love for books? Okay, so I discovered those labels later on in my life. So so, so this is what happens to most people. Most people, they have a bunch of symptoms that they're seeing like, prevalent in their life. They have no idea what, what to call it. And then later on, they discover, oh, there's a label for it. Somebody put it in a little package and said, this is what it is. And like, oh, my God, now I get what's going on with me. So I discovered dyslexia and ADD later in my years. So growing up, my challenges, like for anybody that might go to school, they might have this same trigger. Like the word test was a major trigger for me. When the word test shows up, I get anxiety. I get paranoid. Me too. Yes. So growing up, growing up in school, I had a really hard time learning English, math, all these, whatever, you know, stuff they're teaching in school. It was very hard for me. For some reason, I didn't recognize symbols the way other people do. It didn't really resonate with me. I don't. I didn't store it. I didn't, like, rem remember it that easy. It took me a hard time to kind of grasp it. I didn't understand why. But but what helped me through school, which is which is a skill set you develop. Sometimes you develop certain skill set and you don't realize how you develop them. So I was always very good at networking, teamworking. So in school, I had to cheat my way through high school, through primary school to get to it because I... I when it comes to tests, somebody had to help me get through it because for some reason it was very slow. I was very slow when it comes to the pace of testing. So I never get to finish on time. So I always fail tests. And if somebody give me some answers, show me a little paper to the side, give me a way to peek at the answers. That's how I get through a lot of testing. So it felt like for me personally, somebody might experience the same thing. It felt like I was being very dishonest. With, the integrity wasn't there. So, you know, sometimes when you practice something for so long, it felt like it becomes a value for you. So then cheating was something that I, I do a lot. So I feel guilty about that stuff most of my life. Like, why? Like, I had to cheat to get my way here. But here's the thing. After I finished high school, I mean, all my schooling, I joined the military. And I got into the military. And the thing that I love doing in high school, which is teamwork, working on stuff together, is what the military is all about. So I'm like, wait a minute. Like, in school, you know, they test you. They make you seem like you're you all by yourself doing this thing. But then you get on in society. And it's all teamwork. Right. So I'm like, wait a minute. It's cool. It felt like school was like a torture play. They torture you and then tell you don't do this thing, but you go in the real world. That's what the real world is doing. Teamwork, collaboration, so forth and so on. So it, it felt really crazy. But anyway, I discover my my symptoms, the label of ADD dyslexia in my 30s. Because I was going to college. And I was like, man, I'm still struggling with the same thing here. Like, what's going on? And a friend was like, Asher, you should go get tested. And I went and get checked out. And they were like, yeah, you got the symptoms. I'm like, ah, oh, but now. I understand who the enemy was now. Like, if the enemy was in the room, I recognize the enemy. I'm like, hold on, this got to change. Like, this label is good to know because now I feel liberated. I'm like, hold on, I can do something about this because I know what I'm working against. 
And from there, I set a different couple of different challenges for myself. One of the first challenge was, I'm gonna give you a list of them. One of the first challenge was I was I was gonna speak less, 50% less than I speak the year before. I'm gonna learn from people. I'm deliberately gonna do that. Then the other challenge I said was I'm gonna read and list 100 books a year and a thousand books in 10 years. I started that in 26, 2016. And then at in 2021, going on 22, I'll start working on authorship. I'm like, I'm gonna write 86 books about my 86th birthday. So I'm almost two years into this thing and I'm I'm working on my third book. And I'm seven years into my my book challenge of reading list of book. I'm almost seven, I'm over, I'm over 700 books. So those things kind of help me reprogram my brain, like repurpose my mindset, change change my story, figure out, hey, people have some of the tools that I'm struggling with. I mean, people have some of the that tool for things I'm struggling with. I'm discovering people with ADD and dyslexia that have mastered a certain way of getting around these symptoms, making their life more easy. I'm like, I got to do the same thing too. So that's that's a little short story. Over to you. Well, that is a wonderful story because there's so much in that story. Mm. And that is that you found out that, okay, this is why this is happening. Mm-hmm. And you didn't take it as a crutch. Instead, you took it as a strength. And you were mm-hmm. like, okay, I got this. Well, let's set my world on fire. What can I do? I can read books. I can write books. I can be consistent and determined and persistent. And mm-hmm. and look what's happening. You really like took charge of the whole thing. And uh, so many people will say, oh, well, you know, this is why it's not happening and use blame and excuses for reasons why things aren't happening in their world. Mm-hmm. And you actually have taken something that could be an excuse and you turned it into like, this isn't stopping me. Just something I have to work work out and deal with and prove that it isn't going to stop me. So that is just such a wonderful story. I absolutely love that story. Thank you. And it, it's a good one for parents to help their kids if they're mm-hmm. having any kind of challenges to realize that that challenge, there's no reason a challenge should stop you. Take it as a challenge. Okay, so what can I do? What can I achieve? You know, it's like mistakes and failure. Take that as those stepping stones to success. You know, mm. a challenge is there so that you can face it and get over the wall, not to build a wall and stop you. Hey, parents, it's Celia. Just want to take a break from this podcast for a moment. You know, I get it. Life gets hard. Things get chaotic. Kids can get out of hand and you start yelling. And I know you feel bad about it. What if I told you that in 21 days, yes, 21 days, you could stop yelling? How? Because I have a new program out, 21 days to stop yelling at your kids and you will get an email every day for 21 days with instructions of a system that you can put into place so you become a proactive parent and stop being a reactive parent. Are you ready for that? Can you imagine life in just 21 days? What if you don't do it? What will life be in 21 days? A lot of the same or even worse. So go to quityelling.com quityelling.com and get it at an introductory price, super low, super affordable, so that you can finally stop yelling at your kids 
and realize how cooperative your kids can be and how much listening and smiles can go on day after day. Go to quityelling.com. Now back to our podcast. But one of the principles I kind of live by is that it's not good enough to know the reason why I'm not going to succeed, but become courageous enough to kind of do what it takes to get past that, that thing that's in my way, kind of like. So, you know, there's another way I think about it, too, is like everything everyone knows, they've learned. So don't think that you're less intelligent than the next person, which means you can learn, too. So I kind of structure my life around that thinking process itself, that belief system. Like, hey, if somebody has learned it, that means I can learn, too, because we are started with nothing like we were, we were all babies you know i love right. i love this quote by bob marley he says the biggest man you ever knew was once a baby in his life like we all started with nothing right and then we grew into what we are to that means the knowledge we accumulated it the body we grow it by the food we eat so forth and so on right those things we accumulated and we learn everything that we know right now so the person that seems so smart and wise they started with, from a baby with nothing ignorant ugly looking baby right <laughs> <laughs> and they grow into what they are today. So therefore, Asha can learn too. So I keep telling myself that, and it's something I tell myself every day, I get up like, I'm the one of the, be one of the wisest person I ever lived. And I keep telling myself that, and I keep making that real for myself. So I go out there and look like, I look for things that make me more wiser, because wisdom is my highest value. So that's, that's the thing that leads me every day, is wisdom. Is this thing going to make me any wiser? If it is, I partake in it. If it's not, I say no to it. And once I structure my life around my advice and my principles and start working on the things that's really shaping me and shaping the world that I'm that I'm, I'm I'm trying to create those are the things that partake in so when it comes to turning my traumas into treasure that's the title of the, the, the first book I put together and that book I've pretty much I've written that book for myself and I'm sharing it with everybody else because over the last 700 something books 600 something at a time that I've, that I've went through listening and read I collect a lot of stories a lot of tools a lot of system from other people that made their life successful I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep collecting these things because I'm going to find a way to, to create them into something I can use for myself. But I discover a lot of people that are that have some of the same struggle I have and find systems and tools and people to help me get through it. So my thinking at the time was, if, when it comes to writing itself, my thinking at the time was, Asher, your grammar suck. You haven't mastered the rules of the English language yet. And whatever you're writing, people are going to laugh at it. They're going to like, oh, you, you can't even write properly. So I never shared what I wrote. Because I didn't master the rules of the English language. Because I grew up in Jamaica. In Jamaica, we go to school, they teach us English, the Queen's English. But we speak something else when we get out of school. So I didn't really worry about the rules of the English language. And when I got to America, joined the military, I'm like, wait a minute, I got to start writing with proper grammar now. I can't just say, I can't just say stuff a certain way, I got to write it differently. And I didn't pay attention to those rules. I didn't learn them. And then I felt like I was way behind. So I had to, I had to start to figure out how do I learn it? Because my dyslexia and my ADD, it was a challenge for me when it comes to learning the rules of the English language. It was very hard. It's still hard today, but I figured out a way to work around it. And I discovered that there's people that is going to help you. So, for example, when I was writing, I didn't understand about like, hey, there's an editor that's going to help you edit your book. Right. So I was listening to some of my some of these great authors that I, 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 I admire. I'm like, they got the same challenge I do, but they got editors to help them. I didn't thought about the editor part of it. I was thinking just only me. It's only me alone that the same problem and I can't get through this thing without if I can't figure it out my, by myself. But no, they, they figure out the who. The who's going to help them and they had those people surround themselves with and they was able to get the stuff too. So I was like, oh, actually, you got to change your story the way you're thinking now. How can you find people to help you get stuff done that you're not so great at? And I start doing that. So now, the stuff that I see as trauma in my life, 
they are treasure. Like my dyslexia, my ADD, it's treasure because it put me to a way of thinking where I gotta I gotta pu push myself and even more than some other people do. But it makes me really patient because I learn stuff the hardest way. So now when I see people doing the hard thing, going struggling through things, I'm patient with them because I know I went through it. It took me a while. A lot of people helped me along the way. So now I can't judge you for the situation you're in because I went through some of the stuff too. So I can look at you and like, hey, I was in the same shoes. I don't understand the struggle. So what can I do to help? And that's the mind frame. Can I switch my stuff up? So now I value my my past, the stuff I went through. I value it. I appreciate my story that I had accumulated before. I was depreciating at one time because I was looking at everything at everything as bad. But I appreciate. You no, know, I'm I'm increasing the value of it by the thing I'm, I'm able to do right now. But I just want to let the listeners know something upfront. Because they're gonna hear me speak and they're gonna hear the accent. They're gonna hear me speak sometimes too fast, sometimes too slow. I'm working on a balance right now, so I, I ask you to pardon me and bear with me. Sometimes I speak very fast, and sometimes I speak too slow. Because I'm trying to figure out how do I really communicate what I'm what I'm thinking and feeling to other people without my excitement getting into the way of it. So right, well, right. I think you're speaking fine and you're perfectly understandable. When you have now challenged yourself with reading all these books and what I love is gaining wisdom because it is such a good message to send to our young people because I, you know, I'm always about learn something new every day, learn something new. You know, you want to talk around the dinner table, talk about what each person learned new that day and that you're never too old to keep learning. You mm -hmm. can always learn new things, new ways, new skills and learn more about each other. You know, the, the, the open window, the acceptance of each other comes down to learning about each other, your cultures, your, you know, your habits, what you like, what you don't like, what, you know, what you do for a living, what you, you know, what your hobbies are. The more we find out about each other, the more we talk and converse and communicate without judgment, the more we connect this world. So it's so important. You are on this this um, journey to read a thousand books in a year, correct? In ten years, one hundred books a year. Reading. Oh, a hundred books a year. Because good, mm -hmm. because I wrote that down. I was like a thousand books a year. <laughs> um, good. Whew, that's a lot of books. So a hundred <laughs> books a year, and you're already almost there, right? I'm I'm seven years in, seven hundred books in. Wow, pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. So yeah. do you read books on everything? Like does anything, do you just find books that interest you? That's a lot of books. So my brain works around metaphysics, psychology, and philosophy. Those books really, really, really shows up in my spirit, so to speak. But this year, I mean, I finished my 700 for this year because I started early on them last year because I finished earlier. But I'm starting early again this year. So this year I am focused on autobiographies. So I'm looking for a really good. So if anybody they listen to this podcast and want to drop a note or share something, whatever, it's definitely to share any kind of books that they might, any auto, autobiographies that they might have that I might enjoy because I'm going to stack my book, my book number with those this year. But I, I, I focus on many of those books. And if somebody say, hey, Asher, this is a nice book. You should check it out. I just take, I just take recommendation. I'm, or I listen to a book and somebody say, oh, it's a great book that I've listened to or read, whatever. I just wrote it down. I go test it out. So that's what I do. But here's something else that, that that thing that challenges really worked for me, because because I had AD and this ADD and dyslexia. I had this thing which, if you're parent, you might notice it with your kids too, right? I never really finished what I started a lot that much. Like I start something, I never finish it. 
So my brain got used to starting and don't finish. So I had to like, okay, Asher, you got to reprogram your brain a little bit now. So sometimes I might, I might pick up a book and it's like, I start, I get to like, you know, quarter way into it. And it's like, oh, this book is quite boring. You know, sometimes we're like, I'm going to put it down. I'm like, no, Asher, I'm going to train my brain to finish what I start. I'm going to finish the book as boring as it is. I'm going to finish it. And sometimes getting through it, you, you get some wisdom from it. Because oftentimes, you know, some of these books is just that they are, they are such a different level that you're not there yet. Like you're not ready for those books. And I, I noticed that because sometimes I go back and other books, I'm like, oh, now this concept starting to make sense. Now this thing's starting to make sense. So I realized that there's no bad books. It's just that you're not ready for that. Right. Or you might be above that. You're like, okay, I already got that part. But it's just that sometimes based on your love, some books really resonate and some like, oh, I'm not there yet. So that's what I noticed a lot. So when I start, I start finishing what I started. So I'm on that journey of training my brain to finish what I start in everything I do as much I as I can. I love that. I love that. And that, you know, for women, women are known for multitasking. And actually multitasking is not helpful. Like you mm. should finish a job, start one and finish it. Even on your calendars and your schedules, put a start time and end time. So you mm. end what you're working on and you make progress. And I'm I'm guessing that a lot of, parents that are listening right now are thinking, well, my child hates to read. How do I get him to want to read? And it's really for kids. Often they're told to read things they have no interest in. But of course, once they read it, they become interested. Hmm. But if your child doesn't want to read, it's really important to find their interests, find things they're interested in, because there are books on everything, everything. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if they have an interest in something, you can find a book. And even if it's a comic book, they're still reading. You know, don't put down a book because it has pictures. They're still reading and you want them to get a love for reading. And if there's a difficult book that they have to read for school, read it with them. I used to sit there and I've told this story before with my son, who is now 35, but when he was in seventh grade, he had a really difficult book in his history class and we read it together every night, that whole school year, I would read a page and he would read a page. And then we would go through it and talk about it. So don't be afraid to even help your kids read. And, you know, there's so much value hmm. to being a reader that, you know, you can't even talk about how, you know, there's more value than I can mention. I, I would add to just that one more little piece, because I think you want to, a big point here when it comes to reading and even though i i love stories reading was challenging but once i find something i was interested in and i started reading i would read it right i would listen to it so when somebody says i don't like reading they don't like reading what they're reading but if they find something they're interested in they're gonna read it and i realized that so now it's like because it's, it's, it's all come down to the habit because i was i didn't really build the habit of reading when i was younger so it was it was a hard start, but I but because I was on this challenge, I forced myself to keep keep doing it until it becomes a habit. And once it becomes a habit, it was a lot more easier because now my brain like I'm stop resisting, Asher. I'm, you're doing this thing every day, so let me just get let me let, the brain finds. Let me find a what do you call it? Um, it's it's a habit, but it's, let me let me find a loop for this thing to to play for you, so we ain't gonna think about it too much. So now I got a habit loop of reading in my right. brain, and now it's like it becomes a lot more easier. And it's great. And and in this day of screens and kids are always on screens, it's more important than ever that as parents, we regulate that screen time. You know, you just mm. don't let your kid be on the screen for six, seven hours a day. You give them a half hour a day or an hour a day and an hour's a lot. 
And then you add in other things to their day, especially during the summer like now, they should have a half hour of reading time included in their daily schedule. It should not just be a free for all and it should not be on screens all the time because you're doing your child a disservice. It's affecting their moods. It's affecting their attitudes. It's affecting their brain function. So monitor that screen time and give them the joy of reading, even if it means you sit down and read with them. And you know what? Your kids are never too old to read aloud to them. Don't feel like if they're not a toddler, you can't read out loud and share story time. You can, and they'll love it. So Asher, thank you so much for being on. I really want you, if you would, to offer some more great advice to the people listening. And then uh, we'll talk about how they can reach out to you and find out more about this incredibly journey that you're on and turning what was a hardship into a real treasure. Yes. Celia, thank you again for entertaining me. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate your time. Thank you for the generous use of your time. So I would I would continue on what you were saying with the with using the, the season thing. Because you were mentioning something about like the boundaries and so forth. I think people need to understand. They can just study nature. I I use nature a lot to really understand what's really happening for me. So if you notice that nature gives us things in season. And I was looking at the, the idea itself as far as if you, you want to give them screen time, you want to give them boundaries, set up some kind of rules for them, it helps them. So if you can imagine a mango tree, right? Like if you plant 12 mango trees, the mango tree is not going to coordinate and say, hey, you know what we're going to do for the humans? One of us going to have mangoes on January. We're going to have mangoes on February, March, right? Every month we're going to all have mangoes. So the human beings have mangoes all year, never, never miss a, a month without mangoes. I mean, I think nature is intelligent enough to do that, but it doesn't do that. It gives to us in season because you know that we are, we got an addictive brain. So if we have things in in portion all the time. There's no gap between it, nothing. Then we get addicted to it. So now I try to set my life in the same way in seasons. I, I try to have things and I want to have moments where I don't have it, where I don't, where I don't do it. So I do something for one time and I have moments where I don't do it. So I can miss it too, but I can, I can appreciate it because when I don't have it, I appreciate it. I increase the value of what I have now. So if we can kind of look at your life the same way and your kids the same way, give them things, but take away things too so they can understand things come in season because that's how nature is set up. That's how the world is set up. It comes in season. Someday you have one thing, someday you don't. How do you deal with when you don't have it? Yeah. And then trying to prevent the kind of the kind of addiction that happens. So I will leave you with that. And it's, it's great advice. It's, you know, you have to exercise that disappointment muscle in your children. Mm. They can't always have their way. Life doesn't give us our way all the time. There's plenty of times in life you don't get your way. And if you raise your children to think they should always get their way, you're doing them a disservice. They're going to grow up to be very unhappy adults. So that balance is really important. And like even toys, you know, many kids have overabundance of toys in the toy room and there's too many toys to even play because it's mm. overwhelming thin them out offer to your kids let's let's donate some toys or take some toys and put them in the attic and bring them out and rotate toys things make them appreciate that everything is just not there for them all of the time at any time they want it because mm. that is an unrealistic expectation for your kids so excellent yeah. point i love that and the last one is we all want cash confidence. 
And when you heard cash, you might think C-A-S-H, but I'm talking about K-A-S-H. Knowledge, attitude, skills, and habits. We want, we want cash confident. So right now, if you can figure out how you can gain the right kind of knowledge, right? You know, live with the right kind of attitude, right? Build the right kind of skill set and build the right kind of habits. You get cash confidence. And that's what we all want. Confidence in the things that we are great at. So, but, but you got to you gotta educate yourself into it. You got to look at the world in a different way with the right attitude. You got to work on your skills at the thing you're great at. And you got to build habits, the good ones. Right? So if you can work on cash confidence, life will be a lot more easier. That's what we'll leave you with. I love that. And that's a great close. I, I just love that. And, you know, we all have gifts. You know, so often humans focus on the negative. Start focusing on the positive. We all have gifts. We all have special, magical parts of us that are just genius. We all have genius. Discover the genius in your kids. Discover their gifts. Don't just focus on, well, there's this going on. There's so much more of greatness going on than little bitty negative things. And if you what you focus on is what's going to happen. So if you're focusing on the negative, that's what you're going to see more of. If you're focusing on the positive, all the good that you do and your kids do, that's what you'll see more of. So Asher, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this conversation. I love that CASH acronym. I love that. It's wonderful. Brilliant. And um, one more time, please let our listeners find out how they can reach out to you, where they can get your books. Yes. So Amazon, really easy. If you shop on Amazon, you can get them there. That's why I publish. I self-publish through Amazon. Um, my website for my coaching um, enterprise is www.lifechainingwisdom.com. And then I have a central place where I, I'm, I'm going to store all my books in the series. It's called demidivine.com. That's where my book's going to be housed at. You can find them on there as well. And yeah, I'm on Instagram, uh, asher.ra.sta. That's my, my Instagram handle. And I'm on Facebook too. So yes, thank you. Awesome. Make it an awesome day. Yes, thank you. And uh, in the show notes, I will also have those links to Asher's um, site and his Instagram and all that. So to all of you, I'm grateful and Asher is grateful that you guys spent some time here with us listening. I appreciate it. I hope you share this out to other friends or family that you know where they can have, you know, find this valuable and help with their family or themselves. And in the meantime, to all of you, I wish you days filled with peace, love, tons of laughter, really is the best medicine. Stuff is funny, laugh more. And I'll see you here next time on the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. If you're really ready to start creating cooperation in your home, more listening, more joy, less stress, less yelling, less negotiating, and a whole lot less aggravation, then reach out to me and let's put a parenting system in place that works for you and your kids. Private and group coaching is available, and in six months or less, you will start seeing a much happier home that your children will blossom from instead of have to recover from. Get the manual that I wrote for your parenting journey, Raising Happy Toddlers, How to Build Great Parenting Skills, and Stop Yelling at Your Kids, along with my three children's books, All About Me, I Am Grateful, and Being Different is Fun. 
Find it all at PumpedUpParenting.com.